Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion. My name is Kyle Loomis. I'm the Director Editor-in-Chief of the E2C Network, coming to talk about another Auburn Tigers win in men's basketball, this time over our arch-rival, well, one of the arch-rivals, Georgia Bulldogs by the score of 93-78, to pushing Auburn's overall record to 12-3 and on the year, and finally getting in the win column in the SEC. The SEC record now stands at 1-1. One and one. We're going to break down all the action, the news, the events from this game, and to do all that, I brought in my friend, co-host, owner and operator of the uniform, Auburn Uniform Database, Mr. Clint Richardson. Clint, it is finally good to be in the win column in the SEC. To hell with Georgia. <laughs> wow, you just come firing out of the gate with that, don't you? you get, are you going to let me lead that one in here? I, I don't know the way that I can edit that out without it being like, bleh, bleh, bleh. hey, hey, Georgia is the cesspool of the South. <laughs> you are we all know it. Us. We yeah. all know it. Yes, I, I will say this much, Clint, that um, the Deep South's oldest rivalry runs deeper than just the gridiron. Yeah, this, this rivalry goes deep in everything you know we always talk about Auburn and Alabama will compete in shopping cart races and paper airplane fights whatever you want to name it and I think trailer pool Georgia uh, I don't want to get into that one that they they own that one but I think I think Georgia is always going to be on that same level too um you know Personally, I've never really had an issue with Georgia fans until I moved to Auburn, and I didn't know that there was such a hatred from Auburn fans to Georgia fans until Twitter came around. And I grew up in, in I grew up in Huntsville, Alabama, where it's either you're an Auburn engineer or you're an Alabama fan that can't place Tuscaloosa on a map. And <laughs> I didn't even know what a Georgia fan looked like up there. So to come down south, it was truly an eye-opening experience for this rivalry. And any time as a fan of a team, you can rub it into a fan of another team sits right next door to you. It's always going to be fun. Can you tell me what a Georgia fan looks like to you? Because I'm interested in this now. I don't. I can't tell you what they look like. I can just tell you it's a row, row, row. <laughs> Very good. I'll take that as a description. And of I, the just, truth. I just hope we have some Section 111 people listening and they know exactly what that was. Oh, I'm sure there's someone out there listening from Section 111. Uh, yeah, but I think that's a great description for the Georgia fan base as a whole. They're pretty interesting. They'll never get to the level of the Bammers, but they are up there. They're a great arch rival and make things interesting on the gridiron and especially here on the basketball court. Um, I do feel like 
that we always play each other very well. And to that point, and a little stat that I picked up on as the broadcast went along, this has been a close series the entirety that they have been playing dating back to 1907. Coming into the game, the stats I have are correct. Georgia was up 187 games to our 186. So with the victory today, Auburn and Georgia are yet again tied in some sport. It's crazy how close these two programs are in proximity, recruiting, culture. It is truly the Deep South's oldest rivalry. And this game tonight prove that, especially with the way, you know, Georgia players at times seem to be kind of handling themselves, kind of whining and looking for excuses to get one up on us on the refs. <laughs> I mean, it's it's such a cool stat that, you know, through a hundred years or so of the football game that the total number of points scored were within 10 and the, and the record was within two for the longest time. I think it's skewed a little bit recently and for that to trickle down into basketball when, I mean, Auburn was bad in the 70s and was bad in the early 2000s and the early 2010s. Um, I was going to ask if you're going to include all those or not. <laughs> I mean, Auburn has had some really bad stretches in just about every single sport. And to think that somebody like Georgia, you know, Georgia was a powerhouse in football in the 30s and they were a really good basketball team as well and Auburn's still sticking with them I mean that's that's impressive no matter how you look at it that's always going to be you know top stat in any rivalry I think yeah it truly is and there's going to be some close stats that we're going to talk about here in a second and some very similar storylines about how the success was won uh, on both sides of the ball but ultimately in Auburn's favor tonight First question I always ask, Clint, was this a complete game or no? No, I don't think so. And why? I think Auburn had a really good opportunity to make this into much more of a blowout. It really wasn't a blowout. The score kind of skews it that way. But I think Georgia did a really good job of staying in this game. Um, you know, like we talked about the Ole Miss game, Auburn couldn't really get past that seven-point deficit. Georgia was kind of in that same boat. And Auburn just didn't play really great defense. Um, Georgia shot 45% from the field, 38% on three-pointers. And Auburn just, you know, Auburn ran into way too many blots by uh, Clatston. He had six of the team eight. And I think that there were just a lot of ways that Auburn could have played better. And this could have been, you know, a 30-point game if Auburn had played a lot better on the defensive end. I do agree with you that it was basically a flip-flop of the last game here. Auburn's at home this time. They're the ones that are kind of hanging on to that small-ish um, lead the entire game until finally breaking loose a little bit here. So it is interesting to say that. And this is the interesting part about this too, Clint. Commentators were talking about it tonight on TV. Everyone looks at that Ole Miss loss and kind of panics a little bit. But then you watch what Ole Miss goes on the road and does against the Mississippi State on the road. They're a legit team, it seems like, in the SEC now. So Auburn's only lost to a very good NC State team, a extremely good Duke team, and what appears to be a very good Ole Miss squad now. So what to the commentator's point, this Auburn team is very good and deserves to be arguably in the top 10 all year. It remains to be seen if we'll even be close to that after the Ole Miss loss this past week. But Georgia's not bad either. They're just missing a few key, key things, I feel like, here. 
they're missing that guard play that we had got accustomed to them having back when um, they had the kind of uh, Yante Maiden, and I'm forgetting the help me with what was the guard's name, Clint, that they had for the longest time with Yante Maiden. JJ. JJ, that was it. I almost I knew it was something similar to that, but I kept wanting to say JJ Reddick, but clearly that's not the one that we. Mm, no, about. I don't think so. <laughs> no, Reddick would be in the other uh, couple of states over. But regardless here, some great big men play all around tonight. We do need to give credit, as we always like to do, to the team opposite. Uh, Nicholas Claxton, Derek Obidi, great talent, big guys down low, and very athletic. Yeah, uh, this Georgia team is one that you can really see how Coach Crean is going to build. Um, Claxton is a really big talent. Um, anybody like OBD is going to be tough. I think Auburn did a good job of keeping him off the court. He had 14,000, only played 16 minutes. Or he had 4,000, only played 16 minutes. If he had 14, that would have been different. He'd been out for a couple of games. <laughs> I think so. But this, you know, they're, they're really missing that guard play. Having somebody like JJ would have been really good. Um, Yante Mayton would have put this team over the top. Um, I like what you said about Ole Miss and the other couple losses that we've had, I think all three of those teams are going to make it into the tournament. I think Ole Miss is, is the surprise of the league right now. And, you know, they're, they're going to be tough and Auburn gets a chance to get revenge later in the year at home. So I think, I, I think Georgia is definitely one of the weaker teams that Auburn has played, especially in conference play, but they, they will not be at the bottom of the sec in the future. I think Coach Crean is going to have them really fighting for, you know, kind of where Ole Miss is right now, that middle, maybe that second tier in the league. Yeah, I could definitely see them fighting really hard to be in that argument the entire season. I think they're going to struggle a little bit, like we talked about, because they kind of lean heavily on their big guys. Um, but they are some extremely talented players and are what uh, kind of kept Georgia from getting further into a deficit as the game went along here. Now, if we're going to talk about their big men, we have got to talk about our big men as well. And I don't think you can really single one out here. Maybe maybe we can make a case for one, having probably the best game. But when you look at Austin Wiley, Horace Spencer, Anthony McLemore, Chuma Okiki, I love to throw Malik Dunbar in there. I know he's a guard, but he plays like a big man sometimes. When you look at our bigger players, I think this was the best unit uh, production in quite some time in that area because when one was slack, slacking off an area, the other picked it up. If one wasn't scoring, the other was getting blocks, slamming down dunks, being the energy guy. Like It was just a great performance for the big men. Uh, absolutely. We, As we talked before we hit the recording button, I think that this the story of this game is the big men. It's and most importantly, it's Anthony McLemore and Horace Spencer. <clears throat> and I, I think that this game was Anthony's coming out party. Anthony had that terrible injury last year, and as the commentators and Coach Pearl even said, you know, I think going into halftime, not only is it a physical injury, it's a mental injury. And Coach Pearl even said, Anthony has not trusted his ankle. And I think that has been more than obvious this season. And something happened, the light flipped on, and he did. He trusted it tonight. 
and you saw number 24 flying around the Auburn Arena court like he did all year last year as a true freshman. And that just did wonders for this Auburn offense and the defense. Um, Horace Spencer was a fantastic backup to that and made some amazing plays. And again, Horace Spencer is not the kind of player to light up the stat sheet. But in 18 minutes of play, gets four points. I think two of those were on a put-back dunk that Anthony missed or had it blocked out of his hands. And he grabs six rebounds and only two fouls. That's the kind of game from Horace that we haven't seen a whole lot. And he just continues to be better and better in his current role as the year goes on. Nobody's asking Horace to go out there and get 10 blocks and put up 15 points and and 12 rebounds. That's not the kind of player and that's not the kind of role that Horace Spencer is in right now. And I think we found the perfect spot for him. Yes, and I would say that too along the lines of the only two personal fouls. And that came at a crucial time with him playing so smart when the big men for Auburn were getting into some foul trouble, whether it was Austin Wiley with some quick fouls, Chimo Kiki with some quick fouls. Um, him being able to stay in as long as he did and play smart, only acquire two personal fouls, as ticky-tack as the refs were at times tonight, I think that is speaking to the how much he's matured as a player. Horace Spencer, you know, is always going to be my favorite guy. Agent Zero, I'm his biggest fan. Uh, but he continues to impress as the season goes along here. Um, but in a weird time that it is for Auburn, where we used to question who could be the big man for Auburn, it is, again, one of these scenarios where it's a well or a wealth of riches here. Just so many players that you can plug into certain scenarios. It is such a good problem for Auburn to have. And look at here, I'm just now noticing this. Dangiel Purifoy doesn't even see the court tonight in a game like this because everyone I felt like was meshing so well together. And it's hard to find him while he's still trying to get his feet under him and a place to play. I think so too. And Coach Pearl said during the week that on the topic of Dan Joe Purifoy, that he's just not earned it yet. He's, I think he's ready physically, but he's still third in line to get on the court. And, you know, to read into that what you will, personally, I think it says that the two guys in front of him are just performing that well. And, you know, and I, I don't think that, Daniel Purifoy just isn't a good player. We have seen him play very well. We saw him drop, what, 30 points in Madison Square Garden two year, two or three years ago. He's a very talented player. But something with this squad, something with his perceived role, just isn't there. And, again, we don't get to see everything that happens off television, off the main game, you know, these guys practice four or five, six days a week and walkthroughs and meetings, and we don't see that kind of thing. Bruce does. And to say that he is still third in line, I think, says a lot about where he actually is. And as much as I hate it for the kid, nobody deserves to sit out, you know, what, almost two years or whatever. And I just I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of Dangel this year. Which is very sad because he's a great talent. Um, but again, it's, it, I continue to say it's a good problem for Auburn to have. But hopefully we can find some way to get Daniel with some more minutes so he can get uh, more meshed with what's going on in this squad right now and be a productive member of it because I would like to see him do that. 
I do want to talk about two players right now in, in the next bit here. One good and one bad. Not in the bad that they're terrible players or something like that, but just kind of the way their games are going right now. And the first one is obvious. The game, the guy of the game, Anthony McMore, you've already brought up. 15 points this game. You call it his coming out party, his best game of the season. And I tend to agree with you, and I do want to say this. He has had decent games this season, but not with the level of confidence and the the amount of surety that he handled himself with his foot. I think the moment where he realized, I'm okay. And you saw, as you said, the light switch was when he went up for a layup got kind of twisted up with the Georgia player, and you could kind of see that moment of panic in his eyes as he's coming down. It's like, oh, no, am I going to get my leg twisted up, roll over it, and break it again? And he landed solidly, and the Georgia player ended up getting hurt. And then after that, you see him go out and get a block, get a dunk. It just is like the the heavens opened up, and the Anthony McElmore that we knew all season has arrived. I think that's pretty much spot on. And, you know... It, it's it's just like getting a quarterback a couple of really short, easy completions to start a game. Get that confidence up, and then go for the deep ball. Go for some more trick plays or whatever you need to do. I, I think Anthony, all season long, just hasn't really been able to build his confidence, especially in his ankle. And tonight he did that, going up and getting you know 15 points, nine rebounds and even getting two blocks. I mean, we talked about it last episode that he just isn't playing the kind of defense that he was last year, settling for missed charges other than potential blocks. And I mean, that just shows it right there. That's not what he was playing tonight. This was the Anthony McElmore last year. And hopefully it stays the rest of the season. If Anthony plays like he did last year, this will be a really good season. So let's go to the flip side of this and talk about a player that's continuing to struggle right now. Remains in the starting lineup because of the potential talent that he is, but Chimo Kiki, four points tonight, four rebounds, uh, two assists, four personal fouls. He, again, continues to get these quick fouls. I think that is his major problem right now, is he's a little over-eager at times. I think he kind of got a taste of what it could be like to be the star at the beginning of the season when he was kind of lighting up the stats. He was the talk of the town. And coming out of Maui, it seemed like it kind of just started going downhill for him in terms of points production, stats production, perception. I don't know what happened. I have a theory, but I want to see what you think about what's going on with Chumo Kiki. Well, I think we talked about it last episode again. It's it's really a mentality thing. He's he's just a very quiet, reserved guy as much as far as we can see out of the program and he just really needs to have that same kind of light switch that Anthony had of I'm going to just take over. And I think we saw it for a part uh, for a second in the end of this game where Chuma set up on the right wing, fates the three pointer and says, you know what? Watch what I can do. And throws down one of the best dunks I think we've seen in the Auburn arena. And <clears throat> that's the kind of thing that you need number five to do juma really did struggle tonight he did get four fouls like you said but i think i'm only going to give him three yes because he I definitely know. had a steal on that bad call and and i like what the commentator said like how he said it not so much the after effect but it was a perceived foul yes exactly 
the Georgia point guard was dribbling with his right hand, and Chuma came from the left side and cut right across from him. Never made contact. And I said that a lot this year. Chuma's really good at getting to the ball without making contact. The game that he had five or six or seven steals, he did just that. And that's the kind of foul calling that I cannot stand. Why are you calling it when you're expecting something to happen? Nothing happened. Now you just made a bad call. That's not the way these things should be called and officiated. And whenever I, it's never going to get out of the game, but whenever something happens to make that better, basketball as a, in, as a whole will be so much better. And on the flip side of that, I do agree with you completely. That was a call that should not have been made. No contact was made. It was a great play by Chuma. However, to his detriment, he got quick, legitimate fouls early on, which is kind of what got him, I think, into the situation he was in, where he was playing a little bit more desperate, thus kind of making him not settle in to those moments like you just talked about with the slam posterizing one of the UGA players. The question here for you, Clint, what's the better dunk this year, Jared Harper in Maui? Or this here in Auburn Arena? The most impressive was Jared, for sure, to go up on big guys like that. But I think the best dunk is still Chuma. Maybe just because it's so fresh, but that was one heck of a dunk. I don't know. And, <laughs> but before you get into your theory, I think I need to, to mention this. Chuma had a plus minus of plus six. Granted, Jared Harper had plus 24, Samir <laughs> Dowdy had plus 16, and Anthony had a plus 13. Those are your three best right there. But <clears throat> Chuma is still playing well enough to win. And I think that's when you start to figure out if Chuma deserves the starting minutes or not. Played 22 minutes because of his four fouls and still had a plus minus of six. He's still effective. He's not lighting up the scoreboard where he had four points and one for five overall, you know, two for two from the line, you know, didn't play his best game, but he's still out there affecting the game. You can still play great defense off the ball and keep their top scorers from doing what they do best. And that's where Chuma is at selling right now when he's struggling foul wise and struggling offensively. So here's my theory, Clint, you know, I've done some long, hard thought on this not really just came to me actually but if you really think about it Maui is where we kind of saw the decline happen in terms of statistical production for Chumo Kiki what interesting thing happened there towards the end of the Maui Invitational I'm drawing a blank Bill Walton started doing alliteration with his name is it possible that Uh that crazed fool put some kind of voodoo on Chuma by just talking about how wonderful he was and how great it was that Okiki was in Waikiki and all that stuff. I mean, like, is it possible that Bill Walton has just messed with his head so much that that's why he's struggling? (laughs) Well, maybe this is either another curse or a new blessing. Tom Hart, after that amazing dunk, said, the song, the Drake song should be changed to Okiki, Do You Love Me? Or Chuma, do you love me? So I love Chuma, and I want to see him perform better, and I think your curse has now been broken. Let's hope so, because uh, my nightmares of that that game and what was said in that game, it it still continues to this day, and it apparently has affected Chuma, if if my theory is true. 
Nonetheless, great way for him to get... You're breaking out these conspiracy theories all the time. You know, you got to find some way to make sense of just some crazy situations, and why not? Bill Walton it somehow is still commentating, so there are stranger things that could be happening. Um, hey, hey, I enjoyed that game. Hush. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. I'm just... I, I am struggling to find why that man still has a job today from the way he handled himself professionally. Um, anyway... Hope Chuma can break him his way out of the slump he's been in. If the dunk that he threw down towards the end of the game is any indication, it may be the case. Great win for Auburn. Getting that first SEC win. We need to continue the streak now. Going on the road yet again where Auburn has struggled at times to find their offense. And this time we will be in Aggie land. College Station, Texas to take on the Texas A&M Aggies uh, this Wednesday the 16th at 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can watch the game on ESPNU. Now, the Aggies come in with a 7-7 seven and seven record overall and a 1-2 and two record in the SEC. The most interesting thing about that is tonight they got their first win on the road in the airplane hangar of an arena in Tuscaloosa, a last-second shot, which you seem to really enjoy, Clint. Oh, man, it was so pretty. Down down two with, I think, three seconds to go. A&M inbounds it underneath their own goal, runs it down into the Bama side of the court, and throws up a prayer of a three-pointer. Called glass, and mayhem ensues. So it was another loss for the Alabama Crimson Tide, and I I'm so heartbroken over it. <laughs> I can tell that you're just distraught by it. Uh, yeah, it was a very exciting win. So I'm sure they're kind of working off of the excitement of that. And that can either work toward your favor, making you feel good about yourself, got a little bit of momentum, or it can make you get a little bit complacent coming off the emotional high of that moment. But the thing they have in their favor, it's going to be in College Station, where in, in terms of being on the road, where Auburn has struggled. I think that's the biggest question here going into this game is not is Texas A&M better than Auburn, is will Auburn's offense show up? And I think you really got to question that, Clint, based on the last couple of performances. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it was actually Josh Vital posted some some splits after the Ole Miss game, and it's, it's insane just how different it is from home and, and on the road for this Auburn basketball team. I think like average points scored at home is in the 90s. On the road, it's in the 70s. Field goal percentage drops 20%. Three-point percentage drops 20%. And it's it's entirely different. And this is where if Auburn wants to win titles, this is how this has to get fixed. Auburn Arena is a small arena. Your sight lines are going to be very different than they are in just about any other court in the country. And when you get to the Final Four, most of the time recently, they've been in, you know, NFL stadiums with a small court, you know, and your sight lines are really messed up there. So Auburn playing well and adjusting well to larger and different arenas is something that they struggled under Coach Pearl and something that we really need to see step up going forward. And and personally, you know I hate doing this, but I think it's going to happen this week. 
I, I love it. When Clint, you become optimistic, that's just like the world, the sky opening up, you know, the, the amazing things happen when Clint becomes optimistic. And I tend to agree with no, you. No, no, no. You mean the ground is opening up. I've eaten so much crow over <laughs> my life and I, you know, it's never a good thing when I get optimistic and make predictions. Well, let's be honest here. When we look at this Texas A&M team and we, when we kind of make assumptions, predictions, that's what we try to do is look at comparisons. The main comparison we can make between Texas A&M and Auburn right now is a common opponent in Washington where Auburn completely dominated them at home in Auburn Arena. Texas A&M goes on the road to Washington and loses in a very close matchup there. So if we kind of use that as a common ground there, it should make you feel good that Auburn dominated Washington and they had a close loss to Washington for te- in, in terms of Texas A&M. So also when I look at the record here, Clint, I, I got to be honest, their best win is this recent Alabama win. I might be able to make a case for an Oregon State, uh, but they, I, I said this to you pre-show, their close losses to me are more impressive than their wins. And I think that is potential for a little bit of scariness because you can see they have the opportunities to be in a position to win big games. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, it's still the SEC. It, it just means more. Everybody is coming to play to win. You're not really going to have any team just roll over and accept defeat. And A&M is always one of those teams that <clears throat> they're really good on the hardwood. And they're not really that good this season, record-wise, but I think they're still talented. When you go down through the stats and you see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different players in 14 games be the high scorer, you know, they've got a lot of guys who can go out and score points. That's for certain. For certain. And they're going to come out and they're going to play. I mean, they've already had guys come out and get one, two, at least two double-doubles just off of the high high stats, high, point, high points and high rebounds. So I, I would expect this to be another hard-fought game for Auburn. I mean, when you come in with a top 25 ranking, you have a target on your back. And Auburn, doesn't really matter what sport it is, always performs better as an underdog, and a target never helps the Auburn Tigers. So this whole season is going to be with a target on your back and you just can't get by that. You have to go out and perform. And I think Auburn's going to do that this weekend. Well, for Auburn to be considered one of the top teams continuously throughout the rest of the year, they're going to have to do exactly like you just said, win big games on the road. I wouldn't consider this one of the biggest away games that we've had, but this is an opportunity to make a statement and say, the away games are not going to be an issue anymore. They need to start taking care of business right here because they're going to be much tougher ones on the road coming up very shortly here. So this is the, the area. College Station is the time to start making that statement and getting it done. We'll see if they do that this Wednesday, and we'll have fun watching and hopefully be t- back to talk about an Auburn victory. Before we get out of here, Clint, let's give our content information. You can find me on Twitter at TigerEye24. Where can they find you? You can follow me on Twitter at ClintAU24, and you can check out my website, the Auburn Uniform Database at AuburnUniforms.com. From all of us here at the ETC Network, until we talk to you again, War Eagle. War Eagle.
Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?